Hello, and welcome to this week's Three Shifts Edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. It's March 26th, 2021. I'm Eric Thompson, and here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, NFL's $110 billion in new broadcast deals will accelerate the cord-cutting transition. Two, Zoom's platform ambitions as it licenses video conferencing to third-party app developers. And three, Keith Raboy's open store in the consolidation era of e-commerce. Shift one, the NFL's $110 billion in new broadcast deals will accelerate the cord-cutting transition. Last week, the NFL announced 11-year broadcast rights deals with five media partners worth about $105 to $110 billion for the 2023 to 2033 football seasons, including an option to terminate or renegotiate after seven seasons. Most notably, Amazon was awarded exclusive rights to stream Thursday night football games, making the coming 2023 season the first time a full package of NFL games will be exclusively streamed. Amazon has been streaming Thursday night games non-exclusively on Prime Video and Twitch since 2017. In addition to Amazon, which will pay $1 billion per year, the NFL also has new agreements with longtime partners Viacom CBS, $2.1 billion per year, Fox Corp, $2 billion per year, Disney, $2.7 billion per year, and Comcast-owned NBC Universal, $2 billion per year. The NFL and DirecTV may not be renewing their deal for the NFL Sunday ticket package, potentially opening the door for a streaming player in 2023. All of the confirmed partners have secured rights to stream at least some games on their respective streaming services. Collectively, the deals represent a dramatic increase in the value of NFL's rights, with an estimated average increase of 75-80% to 80% per partner. The total value of the rights was previously about $5.6 billion per year, and analysts had expected a rise upon this year's renegotiation to $8.8 billion per year, $97 billion over 11 years. Disney, which owns ABC and sports network ESPN, will retain exclusive rights to Monday Night Football and can stream all of its games on ESPN+, including one international game exclusively each season. NBC Universal will retain exclusive rights to Sunday Night Football and can stream all of its games on Peacock, including an exclusive game each year. Viacom, CBS, and Fox will maintain their agreements for Sunday afternoon games, with rights to stream games non-exclusively on respective streaming networks Paramount Plus and Tubi. Fox is reportedly considering ceding Thursday Night Football to Amazon a year early, in 2022, to save an estimated $660 million. For Amazon, this is the largest content commitment to date for Prime Video. It will exclusively stream 15 Thursday Night Football games per season. Amazon expects the new programming to be a draw for tens of millions of new and existing Prime members, who Amazon hopes will stay to check out its original content. The move fits into Amazon's ambitions in ad-supported streaming, a small but fast-growing part of its now massive advertising business, number three behind Google and Facebook. It sells ads against content on Prime Video, IMDb TV, and third-party Fire TV apps, as well as live sports content, including NFL. Twitch inventory will also be available this year. In January 2021, Amazon reached 55 million monthly active viewers of its ad-supported streaming content, up from 20 million in January 2020. With the coming transition away from third-party cookies, there has been renewed interest in media channels that don't rely on cookies, such as connected TV. 
eMarketer predicts connected TV advertising spend will more than double from $9 billion in 2020 to $21 billion by 2023, amidst the decline in traditional TV advertising. These NFL deals may signal the beginning of the end for pay TV. Sports has long been viewed as the glue that holds the pay TV bundle together. In a world where ultra-premium content is king, professional football is the highest-value media property and most popular programming in the U.S. The NFL has seen the writing on the wall, especially with the hit it took during the pandemic. It saw a 7% drop in viewership last year, and the 2021 Super Bowl, usually the most-watched TV event of the year, was the lowest watched since 2007. Pay TV lost 1.3 million U.S. subscribers in just Q4 2020, and the total is down to 74 million versus 105 million a decade ago. eMarketer is projecting just 61 million cable subscribers left by 2025. In contrast, streaming services surged during the pandemic. An October 2020 Deloitte survey found 76% of U.S. consumers now subscribe to at least one streaming service, up 21% since 2018. Given the sky-high royalties, the NFL is capturing most of the economic rents, which means broadcast rights may be critical but not very lucrative for the buyers. Fox, for instance, has been losing an estimated $400 million per year on its current agreement. As sports content has surged in value, providers like the NFL have been slicing up rights very thin to squeeze out every nickel from exclusive rights. Partnering with streaming players also has additional advantages for the NFL in reaching fans in new ways and formats. Many of the NFL's media partners, for instance, have plans to add interactive features to games on their streaming services, for example, Amazon and Peacock. For consumers, the transition is a mixed bag. If more ultra-premium content heads to streaming, there will be less reason to keep spending $100 per month on cable. Cord cutters may spend half as much on streaming subscriptions, but their content will be more fragmented across services. Subscription prices are also going up, which means that they may be saving less as time goes on. And of course, non-Amazon Prime members who want to watch Thursday Night Football will soon have to shell out over $100 per year. To read more content related to video streaming and digital advertising, check out our October 16th, 2020, Three Shifts Edition, Disney Restructures to Make Streaming Its Main Content Priority. In our June 24th, 2020 brief, publishers and retail brands adapt to the coming death of third-party cookies. Shift 2. Zoom's platform ambitions as it licenses video conferencing to third-party app developers. Video calling giant Zoom announced this week the launch of Video SDK, a new software development kit that lets developers embed Zoom video functionality into their own apps without Zoom branding. According to Zoom, developers can, quote, build fully customizable video-based applications with native user interfaces and session control, end quote. Use cases include social apps, gaming, health and wellness services, for example, virtual visits, and live stream shopping. The first 10,000 minutes each month will be free and Zoom will charge 0.35 cents per minute thereafter. Zoom has long-held ambitions to be a platform that helps third-party developers embed communication into their applications. Video SDK adds to Zoom's growing portfolio of platform services, which include SDKs, APIs, webhooks, chatbots, and distribution. Collectively, the Zoom developer platform. In 2020, these tools facilitated over 1.6 billion API calls each month. For Zoom, 
These services help, quote, extend the value and adoption of Zoom, end quote, among its customers. Among the more notable of its platform services is the customer-facing Zoom app marketplace, which has over 1,000 third-party apps and integrations for the core Zoom meetings product. These include both Zoom integrations embedded in other applications, for example, Google Calendar, as well as apps accessible inside Zoom meetings, for example, Transcription and Salesforce Meetings' one-sided CRM overlay. Over 6 million Zoom apps have been installed by users to date, as of February 2021. Zoom is not currently taking a cut on Zoom apps, though it may eventually. In the fiscal year ending January 2021, Zoom saw astounding growth. Revenue shot up 4x to $2.7 billion. Business customers were up 6x to 467000 And net income was up 26x to $672 million. It has funneled its newfound financial resources into a torrent of new features and offerings, beyond the developer platform and app marketplace. Over the past year, it has rolled out end-to-end encryption, new features for Zoom phone, Zoom video webinars, and Zoom rooms, collaboration hardware, including Zoom for Home and Zoom Hardware as a Service, and the OnZoom virtual events platform. Also reportedly coming are upgraded Zoom chat, productivity apps, for example, email and calendar, and contact center software. With Zoom's rapid expansion, it is running into competitors on every front. It competes with Twilio and the cloud players and cloud communications and contact centers, Slack and the big tech firms in video conferencing and collaboration, Avaya and Ring Central and Office Phones, Poly and Cisco and Conference Room Systems, and Hopin and Eventbrite in virtual events. It is a contender among the cloud-oriented firms vying to be one of the quote-unquote primary clouds alongside infrastructure, collaboration cloud, CRM cloud, or identity cloud. Zoom itself spreads its cloud usage across three vendors, AWS, Azure, and Oracle. With light now at the end of the pandemic tunnel, Zoom has to move quickly to accelerate its repositioning. Despite its demonstrated preference for building versus buying, it is currently on an acquisition prowl. Through this lens, Video SDK is a meaningful step forward for Zoom in helping developers embed communication into use cases at the API level. Video SDK gives Zoom a chance to become a critical piece of plumbing in the future of video streaming, particularly as it relates to the now booming creator economy. To read more content related to cloud infrastructure and collaboration, check out our October 16th, 2020, Three Shifts edition. Twilio acquires Segment for $3.2 billion, unifying customer interactions and customer data. In our July 24th, 2020, Three Shifts edition, APIs, Antitrust, and Entrance, the latest in the collaboration race. Shift 3. Keith Raboy's Open Store and the Consolidation Era of E-Commerce. Last week, Axios reported that well-known venture capitalist Keith Raboy was forming a new Miami-based startup called OpenStore with venture studio Atomic co-founder Jack Abraham. While details are limited, OpenStore is expected to acquire and support small e-commerce companies, though Raboy has said it would not be an IAC-style roll-up. In a CNBC interview, Raboy explained the OpenStore vision as a, quote, unified consumer experience like stitching together a lot of very, very small micro-merchants that are long-tail merchants today and giving them the tools and access to information and data that they don't really have, access to capital that they don't really have, at the very small end of the market, end quote. 
Abraham separately indicated that OpenStore will focus outside the Amazon ecosystem. According to Raboy, OpenStore will address the problem of quote-unquote serendipitous discovery, describing Amazon as wonderful, quote, if you know what you want, end quote, but less good for browsing for new things. For example, books, apparel, health, and beauty. He implied that this problem is one of the reasons why consumers still prefer shopping in person, why most sales still take place in brick-and-mortar retail stores, e-commerce represented just 21% of retail sales in 2020, and why store merchandising continues to be valuable. Based on Raboy's description, OpenStore is likely to target micro-merchants on SaaS e-commerce platforms like Shopify or with their own websites, who may have a storefront but no ready mall for consumers to swing by and browse. We know at least that OpenStore plans to equip merchants with tools, data, and capital. Also likely, given Atomic's other ventures, for example, Hims and Hers, is a high-design consumer front-end and an AI-powered discovery engine, probably with social elements. Given the unlikely coincidence of OpenStore rhyming with another of Raboy's prominent ventures, $13 billion home-flipping and financing company Opendoor, we may find cues in Opendoor's strategy. While OpenStore is not expected to resell any micro-merchants it buys, it could borrow from Opendoor's approach of applying deep learning algorithms to evaluate assets and then acquiring them, improving them, and increasing their value. Deploying capital efficiently at scale is another element that OpenStore may borrow from Opendoor. According to Abraham, quote, We have plans to scale massively in Miami and make OpenStore the largest company in the city's history. End quote. Opendoor has lately been adopting a new model where, instead of buying property, it is backing buyers' cash offers. In the same vein, OpenStore could provide services and capital to small e-commerce players rather than fully acquiring them. The report comes amid a broader wave of holding companies and investor incubators acquiring smaller e-commerce sellers, many focused on Amazon Marketplace. Amazon's 8 million third-party sellers account for about 60% of its gross merchandise volume and collectively generated an estimated $300 billion in seller sales in 2020. Last year, Amazon generated $80 billion in revenue just from third-party seller services. Many large firms, such as battery manufacturer Anchor, founded in 2011 and now valued at $8 billion, started on Amazon. Players building portfolios of Amazon Fulfillment by Amazon sellers, or FBA sellers, include Thrasio, which raised $1.3 billion in January-February 2021, has rapidly acquired over 100 Amazon sellers, each typically in under 35 days, and is closing two to three more deals every week. Heyday, which emerged in November 2020 with $175 million in Series A funding and is working on technology to improve seller operations and profitability. Branded Group, which raised $150 million in February 2021 and has acquired 20 startups so far. Perch, which raised $124 million in October 2020 and plans to have 50 brands by the end of 2021, and Boosted Commerce, which raised over $87 million in September 2020 and will buy over 100 CPG sellers in four years, among many others. Outside of Amazon's marketplace, Israel-based TCM Digital plans to make 30% of its acquisitions in largely Shopify sellers. WeCommerce has taken a different approach as a holding company now public as of December 2020, that acquires services providers in the Shopify ecosystem rather than sellers. Earlier this month, it acquired Stamped, which helps merchants set up customer review and loyalty programs for $110 million. The ground is shifting quickly. 
It's not yet clear one of the aggressive seller rollups will be the next big CPG giant, or whether their margins will be eroded by Amazon over time. One key difference between third-party marketplace sellers and direct-to-consumer brands is the level of platform risk and control they have. WeCommerce, which is focused on merchant tools, may have the more sustainable approach. OpenStore, on the other hand, is signaling that it may want to compete with Amazon directly. It will be one to watch. To read more content related to e-commerce and Amazon Marketplace, check out our February 26th, 2021, Three Shifts Edition, Walmart and Amazon team up with SaaS e-commerce platforms. In our November 11th, 2019 brief, why Amazon's recent challenges are rooted in its business model. That's it for this week's Three Shifts Edition. If you'd like to read more content and you're not already subscribed, head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs and the Three Shifts Edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on the role of MDMA and psychedelics in healthcare treatment. And talk to you again on next week's Three Shifts Edition.